This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. My name is Emma Lasko, and this is The Pilot's Pandemic. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's me, Emma, and this is the fourth episode of The Pilot's Pandemic. Um, So this week, and I apologize, it's taken me a little bit more than a week to get this episode out, but I'm still figuring out my setup and been working on a lot of different stuff. So again, I apologize. Um, But this week, we're going to dedicate this episode to answering follower and listener questions. Um, If you guys don't already, go ahead and follow me on Instagram. Um, That's where I do most of my social media, and I'm going to get better about my Twitter and everything else. But at the moment, right now, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at M-E-M-N-E-O-N-I-C-O-N. I-C-O-N, M-Neon Icon, on Instagram. So give me a follow there. Um, And shortly, I will be working on a website. I'm hoping to have that up within the next month. On the website, you guys will be able to ask me questions, submit your stories. Um, If you want to come on the podcast, you can come on the podcast. If you'd like to remain anonymous and come on the podcast, that's an option as well. Um, If you want me to tell your story, I can tell your story anon as well. Um, And for this week, I'm just going to keep everyone's questions anonymous because no one really specified whether or not they wanted to remain anonymous or not so out of the privacy of you guys i'm just gonna keep you guys anonymous so let's just roll right into it okay guys i'm kind of gonna start with the ones that are more like the get to know me questions um just because i haven't really i don't know i mean i've talked about myself a little bit but not a lot so i feel like this will get you guys just to have a better feel towards me, who I am, um, how I became to be a pilot, etc. So the first question someone asked me was, when did you decide to become a pilot and what were some of the obstacles starting out? Um, so I, so my dad, so the timing of this, so the, my dad died, um, June 30th, 2017. That was like right after I had gotten my high school diploma and then um one month before my 18th birthday and even before my dad died I mean I hadn't even expressed to him I really didn't know what I wanted to do um he had tried getting me to solo in our J3 cub and teaching me how to fly but I was always just a little bit like not not even nervous I was just more for more or less so scared um it was really it it was really tough for me I just couldn't get the grip of I could take off I could do you know basic maneuvers but landing scared the absolute shit out of me um so I never thought I would actually become a pilot um and so anyways I was really 
confused right after high school. I did not know what I wanted to do. In the back of my mind, I had a few ideas, but after my dad died, it was pretty much like I had to figure out what I needed to do or wanted to do and fast because I needed to get enrolled in some kind of college. I had applied to a few, but I didn't, I really didn't want to go to college. So I didn't ever get really serious until about midsummer. And by that point, really all I could do was go to my local community college. And so I started out doing, um, prerequisites and stuff for nursing school my idea was I I've always loved children I was like okay well I could go to school become a nurse then eventually become a peds nurse I think I want to do that um and I got two semester no it was about three four semesters in to college and I was just very unhappy um nothing was giving me joy still I still felt very very lost um and I pretty much found out quickly that that was not something that I was ever going to do or want to do um nor was it going to give me joy and I was driving home from school one day actually just really contemplating everything and I happened to look up and there was a plane in the sky and in that moment I would I went home I was pretty much home (laughs) and I told my mom I'm going to flight school um I want to be a pilot and up until that point I just didn't think that I would ever be capable of it, but I got to a point after my dad died, my mindset really changed, and I stopped being scared of death, really. Um, Not in a bad way, but in a way that I had to accept that life is extremely fleeting, and no matter what you do, there's always death is always going to be on the back doorstep. You can't avoid it. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. Um, And I was sitting in my car and I was like, to be honest, more likely to die in a car crash than I would be. I mean, knock on wood. I'm kind of a superstitious person. But anyway, so I kind of made the decision right then and there. Um, I'm going to go. I want to be a pilot. I want to go to flight school. And another big reason I wanted to do that was because, again, my dad's J3 Cub. I it really pained me the the thought of no one else ever being able to fly that or me or my brother and sister never being able to enjoy that ever again and so that was a major reason why I wanted to go to school because I wanted to you know learn how to fly that plane and be able to carry that on for myself and my brothers and sisters if they never decided that they wanted to become pilots so that was another big reason um and obstacles so the next question someone asked me kind of leads into those obstacles so I'm gonna read that question and I kind of already answered this question a little bit previously to this so if that makes any sense your decision to be a pilot and if your father slash uncle's death influenced it in any way. So again, like I said, really wanting to be able to fly the cub. Um, and like, I really felt like I had a legacy to carry on. Um, especially after I started flight school. Once I started and I went to big boy school, um, and really really started flying seriously I realized that I had two feet in the door already and there was no way that I was going to stop this meant way more than me this was me carrying on my dad's legacy but 
Lord have mercy. I messed up already. So I meant, um, so the first question that someone asked me, they asked, you know, what were some of the obstacles starting out? And the question I meant to re read, um, was talk about your adventure in aviation. How was your training? So, um, when I first started flying, I started flying out of a little airport near my hometown, and, um, I only had, like, a few hours of my logbook from there. It was more or less kind of just to, like, wet my feet a little bit, um, again, because I hadn't flown with my dad in a really long time. So, I, like I said, had a few hours there, and I was still in college at that point. I still had classes. I was still had to finish up the semester, but after I finished that semester, I um decided I was going to move and go to a bigger flight school, and that's kind of where, um, I don't want to use so many cuss words, but shit hit the fan. Um, I... I did a decent amount of research um, and I found what I thought was going to be a really great school and a really great pick for me. Um, it turned out to be a hellhole. Um, to make a long story short, if I did my research and so come to find out after I was there, I started having a really bad experience and I started to really question everything and I was like something is off like this this can't be right I can't be the only one experiencing this um and I started to go on reddit and you can find anything on reddit but I started to read reddit thread after reddit thread and google review after google review and I started to realize that this school was deleting the negative comments that were being left about them and there were a lot of them a lot of them and I slowly started to realize that what I had gotten myself into was like just a really 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 bad environment and just not a honest school um I was there for I think five or six months I want to say six or seven six or seven months I want to say it was a decent amount of time and I had a really great instructor that was not the issue um the CFIs that work there I mean not all of them but the majority of them were really really awesome people um and so that wasn't the issue it was the the business side of this school and what they were doing and how much they were making you pay, etc. It was just ridiculous. The way that they treated me and my mother was absolutely horrendous. I mean, just I, I, one of the worst experiences of my life. I'm surprised I didn't quit flying. Um, if it weren't for my instructor, I definitely would have quit flying. Um, that that instructor was still able to make it fun for me. I don't know how. That's just a testament of how good of an instructor that person is. But I mean, other than that, and you know, I had my my idols and my people that I looked up to, but it was really, really hard for me in the beginning. Um, I felt very discouraged. I felt like that I could never ever become a pilot. Um I was working almost a 40-hour week. I wasn't able to dedicate 100% of my time to school. I kind of had to take it at my own pace. And 
So pretty much right before I was check ride ready, I realized I needed to get the hell out of this school. Um, there's just no way a that I didn't want to keep making my mom pay for this anymore. Like I already wasn't having a good time, not a great experience. I just etc. So I decided to leave and um. I found another school and immediately I knew like that this was way more my speed. They weren't so tailored around 141. Um, They actually catered to me as a 161 student. So that was awesome. I I saved a lot more money, a shit ton more money. Um, Excuse my French again, but this is my podcast. Let's make that very clear. This is my podcast. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. But it is for an important cause. Um, and it's it's 2021. And I think after the year we all had that, like, we all need to relax a little bit. <laughs> okay, anyways. So, left the school, found a new school, much happier now. Saved a lot more money. Um, did the all of my IFR training at that school. Unfortunately, I had to stop right when I was checkride ready because of COVID and just... I mean, COVID, yeah, COVID, COVID is really, really messed up a lot of things for a lot of people. Um, so it it could be a lot worse. I, I fortunately, my family hasn't gotten sick. I haven't gotten sick, but, um, to stay healthy, you know, we've had to be cautious. So hopefully I'll get back at it. And now with this, it's just, it's been, I've been really busy. I just moved recently. Like I moved right when I put out the first episode, I was in the middle of a move. Don't know why I decide to do the things when I decide I want to do them, but you know, it is how it is. So I've been in the middle of a move. Um, and I know eventually I'm hoping by summer that I'll have my IFR. I mean, it's not going to take me much longer. I know if I go and just knock it out really quick in like two weeks, I'll have it. So that's what I'm planning on doing. So hopefully I'll be able to do that soon and I'll be instrument rated, which I don't know. Some of y'all, some of y'all let me know. I loved instrument rating. I loved getting like, I loved all the I just loved training for my instrument rating. Um, a lot of people said they hated it, that it sucked, that this, that, and the other. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than I enjoyed my private. Um, I don't know. You guys let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Okay, so kind of going to move on to some more serious topics. Um, someone asked... Dreading the FA will find out I was diagnosed with the D word two years ago. What do I do? Um, so I'm assuming this person means depression. Um, and I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, my best advice to you right now would be to contact the AOPA. Um, I'm not advocating the AOPA. Um, I'm just, I, I wish I had a solution. I wish I had better advice. But I know that the AOPA has, um, you know, medical professionals and lawyers that you can speak to about this kind of stuff. They can advise you much better than I can on, you know, steps to take and how to kind of um, go from here as far as getting your medical and your license back. But um, if you have any more questions, um, feel free to contact me. Again, I good luck to you and I hope... Um, I hope you can get this figured out, ma'am. 
All right, so a lot of people asked me um, if I had spoken to any medical professionals about this. They were curious ideas for solutions. A lot of people asked, you know, I signed the petition. Um, what are the next steps? What can we do for change? So I have been in contact with Dr. Billy Hoffman. Um, he is a scientist and a neuro, I believe, a neuroscientist and a doctor. Um, he works with Georgetown University. He has worked on two case studies now, really elaborating um, and just basically hard evidence proving the problem surrounding um, pilot healthcare. It's honestly really really scary um he's working on a third one right now and i'm actually gonna have him come on the podcast he's going to answer this question for you guys because frankly i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist and i just i'm trying to invoke change like i'm just trying to wake people up make people aware and spread awareness and i just have a really you know eye-opening story to tell so i really want him to come on to be able to educate you guys the best way possible um, because this is a very important subject and it deserves to be spoken about in the highest regard. So sorry if that doesn't answer your question, but I am going to talk to him and see if there's any way that I can share with you guys the first two case studies because I think everyone really needs to, you know, just look over them, please, because they are very, very very chilling. Um, but if I'm able to get them, I'm going to link them in the description of this podcast, or I will put them in my bio and my link tree on my Instagram. All right. So someone asked me, what are some other social norms in the aviation world that you think need to change? Um, we have got to stop making people feel bad for not completing a rating or finishing a rating in a certain amount of time. The most common one I see is people getting judgment, and I've received judgment for it myself, not getting a PPL in 40 hours. That's not practical for some people, and I just think it's low-hanging fruit. You don't know what someone's struggle is. You don't know what they've had to go through to get to that point. If, If they have a family, if they have a job, it's just... There's so many elements that go into being able to put everything on hold and devoting 100% of your time to flight training. That's just not realistic and it's not possible for all people. I've done it both ways. I've had to work and, you know, put work first and then flight school second. And then I've also had opportunities where I was able to do and and dedicate myself 100% to flight school. And you can you can do it both ways. Obviously flying every single day is more proficient, but this is just something we have got it's it's an expectation and I don't know why it's so, so such a high expectation these days, but we really need to stop making people feel bad about it. Um it's just unwanted judgment. And again, low-hanging fruit, low blow, like, not cool. Um, so, yeah, I could elaborate on that one, but I feel like it's best to keep these short. I know I, I, I tend to ramble, so I don't want to ramble. And what I mean by, like, factors that are not human factors, factors that you cannot control. So, 
I just off the top of my head, there's three of them. Aircraft maintenance, aircraft scheduling, and weather. Those all go hand in hand. The amount of hours in my logbook that are just from having to retrain because I wasn't able to fly for two weeks because of either weather, aircraft maintenance, aircraft scheduling is it isn't that big of a deal, but it's hours in my logbook that I mean, they're not bad hours. They're just retraining. But people are I just think this I think this industry and this community can be very, very judgmental about a lot of different things. And this is just, you know, one that I can speak from experience um and I've seen you know other people kind of receive the same judgment and again like I said it's just there's so many many factors that play into this that it's really not your it's not your place it's none your business okay okay just because someone has over 40 hours to get a PPL doesn't mean they should not be a pilot like, I just, the judgment is kind of ridiculous. I think we just as a whole need to stop being so freaking judgmental. So someone asked, um, due to all the the heart, you know, the heart issues that are obviously hereditary in my family, what are some anxiety slash fears about myself going into the industry and um, my siblings going into the industry? So, um, obviously this is a concern. Um, we've kind of experienced it firsthand and after witnessing the things that we've witnessed, it's something that's always on our mind. Um, I don't really have a fear or anxiety about it because, you know, me and my, me and my brother and sister were all healthy. Um, we try to live as much of a healthy life as we possibly can. Obviously, there are things that sidetrack that. But, you know, I really hope that it's just one of those things that you can't prevent. I mean, we could go to the doctor every month, but, you know, sometimes you just have to be hopeful and really stay in control of your food, your diet, um, exercise, and just really, really hope and pray that, you know, you can manage things and that it won't affect us, but, yeah. And I don't mean there's nothing you can do in the sense and in the way that you guys are probably thinking that. Um, again, like I said, there's so much that you can do to manage this problem via, you know, your diet and exercise. Um, but we just, we kind of, we kind of pray that it won't affect us, but that's, that's not up to us. Um, that's up to anatomy. And I, I really think that, again, managing your, your diet is such a really, really important part of, you know, deterring these kind of issues. Um, and I really want to have Jill Monjean. You can find her on Instagram. She's the pilot nutritionist. This woman has saved so many people's lives and livelihoods. It is insane. This woman is like a literal angel. Um, and we are going to have her on the podcast a lot to talk about this. And I think this is going to be really fun for everyone, not just pilots, because, it's really, really interesting how food can even, it has so much to do with your mental health as well. So I really want to get her on and we're going to talk about all of that. And um, yeah, so.
All right, so someone asked if I could talk more about um, my dad's diet and, like, his meal planning and meal packing. So, my dad did not bring meals with him to work. Um, I think this is really, really, really where um, the needle kind of hits the balloon as far as my dad because... Like my mom said, we we ate very healthy. Um, we lived a very healthy lifestyle at home. But the minute my dad would go to work, my dad was German, Hungarian, um, and the German came through strong in the man. He loved to eat. He loved to eat. And when I tell you the man loved to eat, he would try anything. And his job, I mean, one of the reasons he loved his job so much was the food that he got to eat all around the world. And I mean... It's it's so sad to think that like what gave my dad a lot of joy and what gave him, you know, a lot of happiness out of his job is what ultimately, um, you know, not I wouldn't say that that killed him, but it's what because I know that didn't kill him. I, I know what killed him, but I know that, you know, that had something to do with him not being able to keep his job. And it's just it's really sad, but people don't realize how truly, truly awful eating out for you is. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, because he was eating and, and most of his trips, he was overseas. And a lot of the times, in a lot of cases, the food that you're eating overseas is a lot better for you because they have a much, their, their version of the FDA is a lot more serious, a lot, they have a long, long, long list of things that they are not allowed to put in your food that you are not allowed to consume, and in the United States, we do not near, have nearly half those food laws, so I think that, you know, even though he was eating out overseas, he still was eating healthy. Um, he would, he tried to stay on, which I know that, you know, meat is never good for you. But again, my dad wasn't a very big red meat kind of guy. He always ate, you know, chicken, rice, broccoli. He loved vegetables, but again, he didn't pack his meals. So when he was going overseas, when he was going on his trips, um, he, I know he liked to avoid eating in the airport, but he loved on bon pain. Um, so I mean, there were definitely just like at times that I know my dad was not eating healthy, but I mean, we are human. We're, it, it, it's hard when you're, when you've got a family of four, you know, you got three kids and when you're home, you're not, you're not thinking about packing your meals for your next trip. You're thinking about, you know, spending time with your wife, spending time with your kids, paying bills, fixing stuff around the house, fixing things outside. And I think my dad was just so consumed by being a dad that he never really thought about things that far in advance. So I wish that he did. And maybe that, you know, that definitely would have had an effect on his health. But um, yeah, I so anyways, mm -hmm. All right. Well, that kind of wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, I'm sorry if this is boring. If you guys aren't really big fans of questions, I know a lot of people aren't. Um, I'm going to try and keep this segment at the end of each episode in the future. Um, if I get asked a bunch of questions and I feel like they need a lot of um, in-depth explaining, then I will do a segment like an episode based just off of questions like I did this week. Um, but if you guys heard any noise, I hope that didn't didn't bother you too much. I had some yard work going on yesterday, and they had a tractor. They were digging holes. Um, 
so I hope you can't hear that in the background but if you can I'm sorry I hope it doesn't bother you too much um and hopefully you know in the future these are going to become more and more light again we have to keep it serious this is a serious topic but I want this to be fun for people to listen to and again I don't want it to be something for just pilots I want you know just people of all walks of life to be able to listen to this and enjoy it and learn something new. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed and you have a wonderful day. We're not quite done yet. Sorry, guys. Please, pretty, pretty, please keep sharing signing and spreading the petition for aeromedical reform guys this is so important this is what really really wakes up the people and we have got to get this thing to 5,000 signatures so i will link the the link to the petition in the description of this podcast it's also in my bio you tap the link for link tree and then you tap petition so thank you again and keep spreading the good word Much love.